Welcome to Abundant Living and Gardening Podcast. I am your host, Aja Yasir. You can find me at ajayasir.com. That's A-J-A-Y-A-S-I-R.com. And you'll get a freebie. I have 99 Soil Solutions and Panicking Ain't One. Very important information because we are in a state of crisis with our soil We are losing soil at a dramatic rate. So go ahead and gather that information over there at my website. And let's start implementing some of these things. Oh my goodness, what a difference a week makes. (laughs) It is mid-February in Zone 5B, Gary, Indiana, and... For the last couple of weeks, we have been in brutally cold weather. And I feel like we should be used to this. But for some reason, it seems like this cold snap lasted a little bit longer than usual. Um, We got down below zero. It was just, it was brutally cold. But today, it is about 42 degrees and I'm excited. That's like spring weather to us. Of course, we may get some more cold weather. But look, (laughs) I'm just happy that we are no longer in whatever we were in the last couple of weeks. I'm very happy today. I went out to the greenhouse. We have our citrus trees and some more tropical trees out there. And they're doing just fine. We did lose one of the, it looks like we lost one of the lime trees. Who knows? It might bounce back. It's a matruk lime. Um, we also may have lost the black sapote. But guess what? I am not too disappointed in that. I tasted black sapote the other day. They had some at our local produce shop and I was not pleased with the taste. I have been babysitting this tree for about three or four years and it's a very slow growing tree. It's still very tiny and turns out I don't even like the fruit. All you people who say that black sapote tastes like chocolate, I don't know where you got that from. Or maybe I just had some bad black sapote. Didn't taste like chocolate to me. So I'm not too disappointed in the loss of that tree. I'm a little bit disappointed in the loss of the Madaruk lime. If you have not had Madaruk limes before, you generally use the leaves more so than the fruit. The fruit is not as juicy as other limes, but the leaves are used to um, flavor Thai dishes and, you know, dishes that you just want that sharp lime flavor. But we may have lost that one. We do have another lime tree on the way. It's a Persian lime kind of different than a mad rook lime we might invest in another mad rook but outside of that it's really toasty in there it looks good we have seven citrus trees they're looking good the avocado trees look like they took a hit but they're looking good so I'm quite surprised because again we're in zone 5b this is a cold weather place but (sighs) it looks like our 
greenhouse did well and this is one of those plastic greenhouses this is not one of the you know sturdy greenhouses that you build and all of that this is a greenhouse that I just ordered and my husband put it up and we hooked it up to the heat exhaust here I talked about that on previous episodes and the heat exhaust lets out noxious fumes um, such as carbon monoxide and the plants convert carbon monoxide to carbon dioxide for photosynthesis. So maybe that's why the trees are happy. I've seen pictures on Instagram of people in Texas and other places that were not used to getting cold weather and their citrus trees aren't doing so well. So I'm wondering if it's the carbon monoxide factor if that's the reason why our trees did phenomenally well in zone 5b but anyway today I have an exciting topic let me tell y'all I was so excited about this topic that I kind of wanted to post this last week I wanted to upload this but I said you know what no 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 this is for next week I'm gonna wait till next week as you know I am a gardener in an urban area. I'm a holistic gardener and we grow about 200 varieties of fruit, vegetables, medicinal plants and mushrooms. And I want to talk about how I am able to do that in the front yard without it looking like a farm or what people imagine a farm to look like. As a gardener, I take pride in that word gardener because it means that I incorporate beauty into the landscape. It's not just about yield. It's not just about function and all of that. I think the fruit and the vegetables that I grow, um, they need to be fully sensuous. Fruit and vegetables aren't always seen as beautiful, but I think gardens should be pleasing to the eyes the nose the hands the ears the tongues so well you only have one tongue so the tongue so I don't just grow for yield I grow for beauty too it's a full immersion so let's start with the number one now listen these plants do not come in a particular order I just thought of these plants and I wrote them down and this is the order in which I thought them. So one plant is not more beautiful than the other, in my opinion. Okay, the first plant I want to talk about is okra. Okra is a beautiful plant. A lot of people seem they don't like okra because of the sliminess. But I grow a variety of okra that isn't so slimy. And also if you eat raw okra, you can just eat it off the, um, the plant. Or you can put it in a salad and it's not slimy. You can pickle it and it's not slimy. But this okra that I grow is a burgundy okra. And it is gorgeous. If you don't know, okra is related to hibiscus. So just imagine those beautiful flowers that come from the hibiscus plants. Those flowers are the same looking flowers in okra. 
the okra plant that I grow again is burgundy it's a burgundy okra and that's the name of it it gets to be about six or seven feet tall it's red it's beautiful it has like creamy white flowers with a dark kind of red inside to the flowers it's, it's just such a beautiful plant and the okra grows red so because it has red pigment of course is full of anthocyanins so i mean these this is just a healthier okra in my opinion not just in my opinion but you know it has the the um the pigments but it's a beautiful okra so this is not an okra that you might want to put in the front of your landscape because it gets so tall or if you're trying to cover some things up, maybe you might want to put it in the front, but I will put it toward the back because it is a tall plant. So okra. The next plant, I do not know how to pronounce this lettuce. I am going to spell it for you. It's F-O-R-R-E-L-L-E-N-S-C-H-L-U-S-S lettuce. I guess that's Forelinchlus. I have no idea how to pronounce that. But this lettuce, oh my goodness, it's a beautiful green lettuce with deep maroon speckles. And I noticed last year when I grew it, it got completely red in the sun. It's so gorgeous. It does not bolt in the warm weather. At least that was my experience. It's slightly bitter, but it's not as bitter as some of the completely red plants, the completely red lettuces. Now, when it does get completely red in the sun, I did notice that it was a little bit bitter. But look, you can add it to arugula. You can add it to other um, lettuces that aren't so bitter if you don't like that bitter taste you can throw it into smoothies but I'm telling you this lettuce is so beautiful in a landscape it is absolutely gorgeous the foliage is like a round circular foliage it's a loose loose leaf lettuce Okay, what is wrong with me? I can't even talk today. All right, so the next fruit, it's a fruit, but you know, we see squashes, vegetables, but squash is really a fruit, the patty pan squash. I grew last year a white scallop. I think that's the name of it. It's a white patty pan and it was not susceptible to bugs like zucchini because I think zucchini comes to my garden to die it does not like it here <laughs> it just does not fare well here in our garden but patty pan squash grows like crazy it's a very heavy producer it produced from summer until early fall this is a summer squash and again we're in 5b and it was still producing maybe in october and i think it made a lovely border last year i had it lined across our um 
what do you call the wall retainer wall it was lined across there and it had beautiful leaves and flowers and of course the leaves and flowers are edible now about the leaves they are a little prickly but when you cook them they aren't as prickly so they're a beautiful edible leaf when you cook them the next plant black beauty tomatoes I started growing these tomatoes years ago because I had never seen a black tomato. I mean, I go into a store, I've never seen a black tomato. Going to restaurants, even nice restaurants, I've never seen a black tomato. But I love these tomatoes for their beautiful black color. And on the inside of the tomato, they're green. I mean, they're red. One, I meant to say, you know that they're ripe when the top is completely black and the bottom is red. If the top is black and the bottom is green, they're not ripe yet. But most people haven't even seen black tomatoes, so they add a bit of intrigue to your landscape. Next plant, Japanese egg eggplant. These eggplants are so pretty and I think they're becoming more common as people are starting to garden more rare plants but again these are um, eggplants that I have never seen in grocery stores I love these eggplants because they're they literally literally look like eggs about the size of a large bird they're very creamy and tender when you cook them. They're definitely a top, one of the top eggplants that I've ever tasted. I mean, I just can't say enough about these eggplants. The only thing about this eggplant is that I wish it were a little bit bigger. However, if it were a little bit bigger, it would probably be the size of the eggplants you typically see in the stores and it wouldn't look like an egg. So I do appreciate the beauty of this plant. Sweet potatoes is the next one. I just started my sweet potato slips yesterday or a couple of days ago. And I like growing sweet potatoes as a ground cover. They have beautiful leaves that can help you fill those empty spaces. So in the front of our garden space, we have um, blue balloon flowers. We have blue balloon flowers and last year, I let the sweet potato vines vine in between the blue balloon flowers and it was just so beautiful. Of course, sweet potato leaves are edible. So in the summertime, when you're no longer able to get that spinach, you do have sweet potato leaves. They are slightly gelatinous, but if you cook them, they don't taste as gelatinous or you can chop them up, put them in the blender, put them in a smoothie put them in a salad, put them on a pizza, absolutely delicious. And at the end of the season, you get to harvest delicious potatoes. Nothing like a sweet potato from the ground. And yes, in zone 5B, I can still grow sweet potatoes. We have a shorter season, but we can still get a good harvest. Not a great harvest here, but we do get a good harvest. Roses. That's my next on the list. And yes, roses are edible. And of course, I had to put roses on this list because my garden is literally called a rose for Yamina. Roses are absolutely 
beautiful. And in my opinion, they are a must have in a cottage garden. And you know what, they're not as difficult to take care of as people believe. I think that once you get a lot of these bread roses that certain characteristics have been bred out, they may get more difficult to take care of. But the rose bushes that I have, some of them are not heirloom. They're hybrid hybrid um, roses and they're still easy to take care of. You know, roses are in the same family as raspberries and they tend to have some of the same growing conditions. They like fungal dominated soil. They don't like a lot of bacterial dominated soil. So as long as you take care of that, they're good. Deadhead them. And when you deadhead them, hey, you get to get some delicious rose petals that you can use in sauces, that you can use in body oils. Today, I put some rose oil on my hair. Smells so good. So yes, roses. And they come in so many different colors. Must have in a cottage garden. Next plant is not a plant. Wine cap mushrooms. Wine cap mushrooms are a fungus and they are in a family all their own. Some people say that mushrooms have more characteristics of humans and animals than plants. And speaking of fungal dominated soil, like I talked about with roses, wine cap mushrooms work very well when grown around roses and the roses enjoy it too. And wine cap mushrooms are beautiful and they have the top of them. The caps are the color of wine. Very beautiful Bordeaux color. They help to break down organic soil and organic material and convert it to soil. And I know I might be pushing the limit talking about mushrooms because a lot of people don't like the way mushrooms look. But if you want to grow mushrooms, if you think mushrooms are beautiful, Wine cap mushrooms are an easy choice. Not very difficult to grow at all. Next plant, I mentioned these before, blue balloon flowers. These are edible flowers and they're gorgeous. I've heard they grow wild in the Colorado area, but they don't, I haven't seen them grow wild here outside of my garden. They are a perennial flower. They grow in spring. And they are just great to feel those spots where you just want a burst of beautiful blue color. Next plant, purple cabbage and savoy cabbage. And I'm mentioning these plants together because I tend to plant these together. I don't put all of my cabbages in one area, but if I put a, if I'm doing an arrangement, of purple and savoy cabbages in the garden. And I said arrangement because they are arranged like flowers. That's how I grow plants here at our garden space. I put the purple and the savoy cabbages together and I'll put them in different spots around the garden. But purple cabbages make a beautiful choice statement. And I find that they're not really liked by cabbage moths. So this is one of those plants where you can get away with having your purple cabbage and let it grow 
and not really worry about the cabbage moss. At least that's what I found. And you can add purple cabbage around other purple plants or flowers or meat or maybe even red flowers like nasturtiums if you want a nice burst of color. Savoy cabbages are also beautiful because they add a, a hint of texture and color. They have crinkly, they have a crinkly texture and they come in purple, green and kale. Just a beautiful, beautiful cabbage. And they make a wonderful kimchi as well. Or sauerkraut. Nasturtiums. Speaking of nasturtiums. Oh my goodness. These are more common than they used to be. And they are gorgeous in a landscape and they also help to attract pollinators. A lot of people use nasturtiums as trap plants, but I use them as food plants. <laughs> trap plants meaning that they can um, attract bugs that tend to kill other plants, but nasturtiums are just a delicious plant they have a nice peppery flavor kind of radish almost and they come in a wide variety of, of colors a variety of colors and can bloom until the end of summer and they repeat blooming just absolutely beautiful and many times they'll drop their seeds so you don't have to replant them but nasturtiums are a must have if you want to fill in some borders and you have they have climbing varieties you can even probably put them in pots near your window and let them climb just absolutely gorgeous blueberry tomatoes these are not only delicious they are absolutely gorgeous blueberry tomatoes when they get their full color they can be in purple or blue and they're so pretty i like to plant them around borage which is also blue and around blue balloon flowers which is also blue well blue balloon flowers also well balloon flowers can come in different colors but i have blue balloon and white balloon flowers so i like to plant my blue balloon my blueberry tomatoes around my blue balloon flowers my borage or um any other plants that i have that have that same are in that same family not same family but in that similar shade such as purple purple is in a family of blue I'm sorry, folks, but anyway, <laughs> blueberry tomatoes, borage, borage is a must have. And last year was my first year growing it. The, the blue is almost iridescent. It is so pretty and it works well in salads. It attracts pollinators to the garden. It's just an absolute must have. It drops seeds and it'll come back year after year. Next plant, Egyptian walking onions. I don't think I can say enough about these plants. They literally walk through the garden. They grow tall, they fall over, then plant themselves and start over again. So it's like a winding walk throughout the garden. And they're also great for pest protection. So they're adding a bit of intrigue to the garden. And they're also eliminating pest pressure. Last but not least, and this is a very short list because there are so many beautiful fruit, vegetables, and flowers that can go into a garden space, but artichokes. 
not to be confused with Jerusalem artichokes, which are also beautiful, but I've never grown Jerusalem artichokes. I've only seen pictures and I've only seen them in other people's gardens, but I do have experience growing the round artichokes, the flowers. Um, in zone 5B, the globe artichokes don't tend to come back each year. They're not a perennial plant here, but I have found that you can grow imperial artichokes as an annual here. These are cold hardy artichokes that flower in the first year. They get to be about one to three feet. These plants are so beautiful in a landscape. I cannot tell you how beautiful they are in the landscape and you know they're probably even more beautiful here because we're not used to seeing them because they're not necessarily a perennial in zone 5b you Californians you're probably used to these plants but to see an artichoke grow in our area it's almost like seeing an orange tree <laughs> grow in our area it's just like a wow factor so these plants are just absolutely gorgeous. I can't really even stress how gorgeous enough. I can't stress enough how gorgeous these plants are. But if you let them go to flower, you'll actually see the flower head, which is a beautiful purple. And they attract lots of bees to the garden space. Um, so this year I'm growing a purplish green variety it's called Colorado Imperial artichoke, something like that, but I'll be planting them near our Savoy cabbages and that way, that way they'll bring in subtle colors, bring out subtle colors in each other, you know, so I have the purple and green in the artichokes and I have the purple and green and white and the Savoy cabbages. They're just going to go well together. And I just thought of something as I said that I'll also plant them near our white balloon flowers because the white and the white balloon flowers will bring out the white and the Savoy cabbages. It's just absolutely beautiful. So that's how I garden. It's almost like setting up a flowery arrangement. So I'll take one little section of the garden. I'll set it up like its own little flower arrangement. And then, then I'll go to the next section of the garden. And eventually the whole garden is done. And that's how I garden. So... Again, this is not a full list of beautiful fruit and vegetables, but let us start rethinking um, how we grow, rethinking how beautiful fruit and vegetables are. Again, gardening is a full immersion. You should smell, you should taste, you should touch, you should feel all of those things. You should hear all of those things in a garden. So thank you for joining me on Abundant Living and Gardening podcast. Again, this is a fun episode for me. I love talking about the beauty of vegetables and fruit in ways that people don't normally think of. And I might do another episode like this soon as I start planting things out and more things come to mind. I'm eyeing my jasmine over there in the window. It's a Sambuk jasmine, which is and the only edible jasmine. 
and you can use that in tea and it smells so divine I wasn't even going to add that but as I turned my head I started looking at the little jasmine plant that we have in the window there's also one in the greenhouse <sighs> so again this can go on and on and on and on but let's start just thinking about our gardens in a whole different way you are arranging beautiful flowers even your fruit and vegetables, they're beautiful flowers to be arranged in the garden. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. And thank you for joining me. See you next week.